this bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this special bonus episode, I am joined by cosmetic chemist, author, and founder of Synergy Skin, Terry Vinson. Terry Vinson has decades of experience in skin science and has sat at the helm of Synergy Skin since its launch in 2005. Terry completed her Bachelor of Science, specialising in immunology and microbiology at Monash University, and has obtained additional postgraduate qualifications in both formulating chemistry and biology and secondary school science. In this conversation, I ask Terry your questions on the stages of skin, the specific changes our skin goes through in each phase of our life, how to meet our skin's needs during each of those stages, and what a healthy skincare routine looks like at every age. In the name of transparency, this episode is sponsored by Synergy Skin. However, this conversation is not at all about pushing products onto you. Terry's background is, of course, in chemistry and biological science, and her passion really lies within skin education. So the goal here isn't product placement. As per all of our bonus episodes, it is about giving you the objective information that you need in order to make informed decisions around your skincare. That said, I personally have trialed multiple products from the Synergy Skin range, including their newest launch, Lumi Balance, a multi-active facial oil formulated to restore luminosity and balance to the skin. And I genuinely love the brand and what Terry is doing. As you know, I trial every product that I endorse for an absolute minimum of four weeks before I commit to working with a brand. And Synergy Skin has been no exception. I could have easily picked Terry's brain for several hours more. So if there is a question that you have on the stages of skin that we weren't able to cover, I recommend picking up a copy of Terry's book, Skin Formation, A Clean Science Guide to Beautiful Skin, as she covers so much more in there. As per all of our recent episodes, this conversation was recorded remotely, so I have made the entire episode transcript available on glowjournal.com so you can read along as you listen should you wish to. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Terry Vinson. In this episode, we have taken the questions you submitted on the stages of skin and passed them on to Terry. From how early is too early to start using retinol and why we associate acne with our teen years, through to why so many of us are still experiencing acne as adults and whether or not there's a topical solution for wrinkles and a loss of elasticity. Every single time that I put the call out to our audience for an Ask an Expert episode, a number of the questions come in along the lines of, I've been using this product for this many years and it no longer seems to be working for my skin. Now, I'm sure this can come down to a number of different factors, but is it possible that our skin is entering a different stage and that's why products are no longer doing what they used to? Absolutely right. And and a lot of people think, oh, the, I'm becoming the, the word immune to the ingredients mm. or immune to the range. That's actually a myth. You, you can't, your skin cells, it's very, very difficult to have an immunity to cosmeceuticals. However, your skin alters 
it ages. There's different environmental factors. A, a key example is the effect of stress and COVID on our skin. We've seen mm. our skin go through some huge changes. Um, my daughter, who's 25, my work colleagues, even myself. So yes, and that's when we need to look at either, not necessarily even a different range, it might be a different product within that range. But yes, our skin does change with the, with the environment and with our age. This is a super broad question, but what are the different stages of the skin? How would you characterise skin in different stages? You can you can characterise it by um, conditions, but but I think we we like to categorise it by age groups. And I would say we I, I would talk about the, the preteen teen phase. Um, where you've got your hormonal imbalances, then we've got our 20s to 30s, where we see that it's kind of the best years of our skin's life, if you like. Everything kind of the hormones are basically, they've reached at their burnout phase. Um, and then we've got that sun damage maybe showing its initial signs. Um, and then we are aging, funnily enough, from the age of 25. Our telomeres begin to shorten and 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 aging begins but it's on a microscopic level so then we so after the 20s the 30s and 40s i think that we start we start to see those subtle signs of aging um we might see the first evidence of sun damage the first fine lines and wrinkles um we're seeing lines of movement um and then the 50s um the lovely 50s which i'm in is the menopausal and pre or even sometimes pre-menopausal years and that's hormonally driven Oh boy, I can go into that. <laughs> We're talking about lack of estrogen. We're talking about lack of collagen, reduced bone density, lack of hyaluronic acid causing dryness. So, so we really, that's when we really need our cosmeceuticals to do the work. Um, but then it's interesting, Gemma, whilst it's also based on age, we also need to look at genetic predispositions mm -hmm. and our DNA. And, and there's now um, DNA testing that we can do to see certain genetic markers to see whether we're prone to pigmentation, prone to glycation aging. Um, and I, uh, my company Synergy does a DNA test, but there are others available and they're, they're really excellent to show you the future of your skin if you don't take preemptive action. Well, let's start with teenage skin, that preteen and teen stage that you mentioned. Yep. We tend to associate acne with being a teenager. Why is that? It all comes down to hormones, and mm -hmm. and um, in my in my book, Skin Formation, I have a, almost a whole chapter based on on that very condition. But what we have is is there's testosterone in females. A lot of um, girls think, oh, I've only got estrogen and progesterone, but we've, it's it's basically huge fluctuation in hormonal levels in both males with just testosterone and in females with the three female hormones. So basically when we have a fluctuation in hormones and in particular an, an increase in, in testosterone, that has a direct action on our, on our oil glands. Um, and that spike in, in testosterone causes the receptors on our oil glands to, to actually be more receptive and produce more oil. So you've kind of got a cascade of events and this is why acne can be incredibly complicated. So you've got more oil. You've also got an increase in the rate of cell turnover with acne. So normally our cells turn over at, say, 30 days. We get a whole new fresh set of skin cells. With acne, they turn over much faster. So you're getting like 20 days, maybe even 15 days. So in that pore, you've got lots of oil and lots of dead skin. So basically those P-acne bacteria are about to have a huge party 
inside that pore. And when and we've got pre-acne bacteria anyway, but because you've got all that lovely oil and all those skin cells, you've got an increase in those bacteria. And when those bacteria feed, they give off certain chemicals that cause inflammation. And that inflammation can give rise to a pimple because inflammation causes blockage in, in the pore and causes um, redness and irritation. Now, that can be a, just a simple zit, a red zit, or it can be a deep dermal cystic acneic pimple, which is quite serious. Or if it's just oil and debris not being able to be purged, it's a blackhead or a whitehead. So that's kind of the, um, the birth and death of a pimple. <laughs> <laughs> what other big changes do teenagers tend to see in their skin? It's really funny. I, I my son will kill me if I, I say this, but I noticed when you know when he started entering being a young man, he he smelled different. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed when yeah. So that they start out at ten and eleven, they've got this beautiful still that child smell, and then they wake up one morning and it's like, mm, what's that? <laughs> It's um and, and girls have it too, obviously, but it's it's actually very natural. It's it's that hormone hormonal change, and the constituency of our constituents of our sweat alters, and we find that the smell can alter. We've also got increased body hair, and we've also got changes in the oil loving bacteria, and this all changes the pH of our skin and the microbiome. So we end up with increased body hair, we end up with possibly increased eczema and psoriasis. So if a child has it, when they hit acne, it's usually a lot worse um, because their microbiome's altered. So um, you, you actually also get a reduced pH of the skin, more like an adult pH. Um, so there's lots of changes that go on. It's kind of like the perfect storm when the hormones kick in and everything's doing that and altering in, in flux, uh, the skin reacts accordingly. I remember it so vividly moving from grade six to year seven this is quite some time ago now but we would all just use those scented body sprays and then was, yeah ex <laughs> that's exactly what we were using and then yeah. there was just one day in year seven when we all realized this is not a deodorant this is no longer going to cut it <laughs> mm. I remember dancing class with um St Kevin's <laughs> <laughs> and they just come from sport and we oh my god it was it was interesting the the different smells in the room but you know what it's all part of growing up and it's all beautiful yeah <laughs> I know that a lot of parents listen to this as I get sent this question quite often what does a good skincare routine look like for a teenager what sorts of products would you advise parents to encourage their teenagers to use that's often asked um, from me about their teenage skin. I've had um, young kids come in with their mums and it's probably two sides. Do we want to keep it really simple for them? And I think the answer is yes. We don't want to overcomplicate their life with a thousand products. But if they have got a serious skin concern, um, not, not cystic acne, if they've got serious acne, they should absolutely see a dermatologist. But mm. if they're very concerned then and their parents are open to it, then we need to look at, at a more of a systematic approach. But I would always say one of the most important things for teenage skin is niacinamide or vitamin B3 because that actually affects oil control and it reduces excess oil. In fact, they found that um, niacinamide was as effective as topical antibiotic minamycin for controlling acne. They did a study on that, which was really interesting. 
The other thing I love about vitamin B3 or niacinamide is it's an anti-inflammatory and we know that acne is an inflammatory condition. So it really calms down that skin. So I think one of the most important things you can give to your adolescent is a bottle of vitamin B3 serum. That will be their best friend. The other thing I would say is to stay right away if you're a girl um, from um, very, very trendy makeup with comedonal oils in it. Um, that will be one of the biggest contributors to what we call um, acne cosmetica. And um, dimethicone and certain oils will contribute to that. So I also believe very strongly in good quality mineral makeup. And then with that mineral makeup, if you've got high quality and, and high levels of zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, you're also going to get your sun protection. And so they've got a two-in-one, but then they've all, with, that, with that zinc oxide, that's also sun protective. And a lot of people don't realise this, but zinc oxide is a dihydrotestosterone blocker or a DHT blocker. So it reduces the impact of testosterone on the oil glands. So a lot of um, our cust customers that would use mineral makeup would say, hey, my acne's reduced and I've done nothing differently in my routine. It's often the zinc oxide. So, yeah, so my number one and two would be niacinamide and zinc oxide-based makeup or sun protection. Um, and obviously, you've got, if you need a spot treatment, you'll need your really good quality alpha-hydroxy acids, your lactic, malic, mandelic acids to help exfoliate that skin. And your beta-hydroxy acid, I love salicylic. It's, I kind of liken it to the bottle brush of the pore. It, it pulls out the muck and debris because it's, it's oil-loving and it really helps to clear those blackheads. Um, You've got to look at acne, as we said, it's, it's to do with inflammation from the bacteria. It's to reduce the bacteria. It's to reduce the oil. It's to slow down the, the skin turnover. So, so we need to look at multiple levels there. So um, I also say, you know, I love Manuka oil for, as an antibacterial and it helps to level the bacteria. Um, I also love anti-inflammatory anti ingredients such as your licorice extract. Um, retinoids, fantastic. Um, if they're really cystic acne, you can go for the um, medication for the for the um, prescribed uh, um, isotretinoin, or also you can go for the retinols or your new kid on the on the block, um, hydroxypinacolone retinoate, and that is amazing for two things: for acne oil control and also regulating cell turnover, so you don't get all those blockages in the pore. I love talking about acne, so if I'm Rabbiting on a bit. Stop no, me. I love this. I was just thinking to myself, where was your book when I was a teenager? I would have saved so much money on that apricot scrub. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, and the wall. There was one called the walnut kernel scrub. Mm. I look. Don't worry, Gemma. I did it too. And the other thing is peroxide. How many mm. mothers oh. have had ruined pillowcases by peroxide um, uh, spot treatments? Now, whilst peroxide is fantastic for killing P. acne bacteria you're only addressing one part of the equation. You're not addressing the inflammation, the cell turnover and everything. You're just addressing killing the bacteria. And peroxide is um, an oxidant. And the opposite of an oxidant is an antioxidant, which is great for our skin. So peroxide or an oxidant is, an, is not a great ingredient for, for acne. So um, the other thing is you, there's a lot of really great pore refining ingredients. A couple of my favourites are called 
Erosma betulina extract and red clover extract, and they actually help to um, regulate oil flow and reduce the size of the pore. So if our pore is smaller, we're less likely to have those large blackheads as well. So there's a few I love. Um, acne is probably one of the most complex conditions to, to find the right ingredients for you. Moving on from that teenage skin stage, things change again as we enter our 20s. Mm-hmm. What is happening to the skin during this time? Well, in an ideal world, we're reaching hormonal burnout. So when, when we're in our teens and even into our early 20s, our hormones are in a great state of flux. And in our 20s to mid-20s, that tends to even out. And that's also called hormonal burnout, where everything's nice and even, periods are regular, um, guys don't have those breakouts. So that's hopefully a time when we can relax a little bit. Um, there are other conditions where that won't occur, but let's talk about just general 20s. Um, We will start to see the first signs of ageing in our early to mid-20s with the occasional sunspot. And that's a great warning sign that you need to sun protect more. Uh, We'll also see the the start of other forms of environmental damage like pollution. But you're not really seeing obvious wrinkles. You're not seeing obvious problems with the skin in terms of um, pigmentation. Um, And often your um, chronic conditions like rosacea and psoriasis and eczema might be at their best level. You'll still have them, but they won't be as bad as in later years or earlier years. Are there any products that we should be adding into that existing skincare routine as we enter our 20s and again as we sort of edge closer to 30? Okay, well, I've got uh, just my my whole thing is vitamin A, B, C, and zinc, the A to yep. zinc of skincare. So I think everybody once once they can afford to invest in a good quality regimen, absolutely, you need vitamin A, um, and we can go into detail about that a bit later. It's one of my favourite cosmeceuticals in the form of. Um, stabilise retinol because retinol is incredibly unstable um, in its raw form or the new hydroxypenaclone retinoate. The other one is vitamin B3. Everybody needs that from the moment they're a teenager right on through. And my other favourite is vitamin C. We all need antioxidants and I believe that vitamin C is, is probably the best antioxidant to protect us from free radicals. And I think that's the thing that we really need to introduce in our 20s and 30s because that's when we need to defend ourselves. And I always call vitamin C the fortifier of the cells. It kind of sits outside the cells and when oxidation occurs and those free radicals are trying to attack the cell wall, vitamin C will sit there and defend it and prevent cellular damage and even even DNA damage. Uh, I also think that we'll ha- start to have a little bit more of a, uh, an idea of what our skin is going to be like as we enter the, the, um, the next phase of our life. So we might have a tendency to dryness. Therefore, let's invest in moisturisers for that condition. We may know we have sensitive skin, so we start investing in those specific skin concerns. I also think at that stage, you really need to look at coupling up with a really good therapist, a skin therapist, to understand your skin. I would do, that's when I do the skin DNA test and find out what my skin is like. So definitely ABC, sunscreen is number one and start to look at your particular skin concerns. That's such good advice. Now, I often hear from people who are super frustrated because they thought they were leaving acne behind with their teenage skin. Why do so many of us still suffer from acne as an adult? 
Well, hormonal burnout doesn't have a day where it just says, right, I'm fine. So it can, unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah, I know. It can still go on, you know, sometimes in right into our late 30s. And there's also a, a, quite a common condition, and, and doctors and dermatologists aren't sure why, but it's becoming more common, that's polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. And it usually affects women after their, um, after their puberty has begun and definitely into their 20s and 30s. And it's often around the jawline. They start noticing they've got hair on their face, possibly their arms. You really need to get a test at that point. Um, there can be other hormonal fluctuations, certain medications. You might find the pill isn't for you. But one of the biggest things I've noticed is COVID and uh, we call it maskne or even just stress COVID acne. And people don't realise, but that is a direct response to elevated cortisol levels in our body. Now, our body is hardwired to produce cortisol in times of stress. And back in the caveman era, it was when you saw a dinosaur or a tiger, you'd have cortisol, it would be a short-lived thing, you'd either run or you'd kill it. Today, we've got other stresses in our life. And for eight, the last 18 months, we've had a stress called COVID-19. And it's kind of been a slow burn, but people have noticed their skin starting to break out a few weeks after COVID began. The other thing we've noticed is the um, possibly the quality of the masks, not washing our mask regularly, constantly breathing in carbon dioxide that we're, we're breathing out from our lungs and that's constantly in touch with our face. The, the increased humidity from the mask, this all plays havoc with our barrier and natural microbiome and coupled with the stress levels. At this time, if you've had perfect skin and you've still got perfect skin, you are probably within the, the top one percentile of the world. Mm, I'm jealous if that's the case. For yeah, anyone yeah listening. exactly. We touched on vitamin A earlier. I would love to spend a little bit more time on it. At what age should we really be making sure it's a part of our skincare routine and why? I would say definitely in our 20s, hands mm -hmm. down, that's when you should start incorporating it. Um, if if um, you have a problem with, with acne, I would start incorporating it as a teenager as well. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest cosmeceuticals and, you know, Albert Kligman was really onto something when he discovered way back in the day that it was great for treating patients with acne because it works on cell turnover and oil control. But he also noticed that their pigmentation was reducing and so were their fine lines. And then they started realising that it actually interacts with the DNA of our cells. And it's just the most amazing ingredient. Um, not only does it, does it, as, as we're older, we, our cell turnover slows down. Vitamin A tells it to speed up. So we've got this lovely cell renewal. So it's like a regulator. It's like a thermostat for the skin, if you like. Um, it also has a great ability to reduce inflammation. And if we've got um, visible blood vessels, it makes the blood vessels healthier. It can actually interfere with um, the way that the, salt, the sun can cause mutations in our DNA. So when the sun hits our DNA and it can cause a mutation called, uh, I'll nerd out a bit, it's called a pyrimidine dimer and it's an unnatural coupling of genetic material in, in the nucleus of the cell. If the right, if retinoic acid vitamin A is in the nucleus of the cell at that point, it can cause uncoupling and for it to go back to normal. So it can actually reverse solar mutation which is wow. incredible wow. Uh, so important so important to protect you from sun damage um, and of course it stimulates um, the fibroblasts to make more collagen and it slows down or um, 
reduces the the activity of the enzymes that break down collagen. So I can't think of any skin condition right now that would not benefit from vitamin A. Don't recommend it for pregnant women and lactating women because it hasn't been tested on pregnant women. But we know that um, oral vitamin A has caused birth defects. So nobody wants to test um, topical vitamin A on pregnant women. But in saying that, if you find out you're a few weeks pregnant and you've been using topical retinoids, we haven't had one situation where there's been a problem. Um, we just recommend that you stop using it until you finish breastfeeding. Amazing. Heading into the 30 to 40 bracket now, what sorts of products should we be introducing and should we be making any changes to our 20-something routine? Well, you know, it's sort of like a cumulative thing. So let's say A, B, C, zinc is um, for as soon as you can get onto a proper routine, that's your yeah. routine, vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, zinc, oxide, sunscreen. And then as we head into our 30s and 40s, we're now starting to see more evident damage. We're starting to see the fine lines. We're starting to see possibly sagging. And I think one of the big things that people are concerned about, particularly um, in your 30s and 40s, is pigmentation. And there's quite a few ingredients around for pigmentation. Vitamin A, B and C all work on that, but in different ways. But one of my favourite ingredients at the moment is uh, tranexamic acid. Um, and I'm incorporating that into um, a pigmentation serum I have at the moment, and it's having great results. Um, so pigmentation is a major concern. Um, also, there's, uh, we start to need ingredients for DNA repair. And there's a fantastic ingredient, uh, it's a peptide, and the long name is acetyl hexapeptide 51 amide. And it actually, I, know, I, oh, look, I love this ingredient. It's actually um, based on the way the immortal jellyfish works and it's able to repair its DNA. If, they, if it sees a fault, it either repairs it or it causes the cell to program to die so it doesn't divide and, and form new um, rogue cells. So this particular mm. ingredient makes the cells behave a little like that. And they've done some in vitro studies and discovered that the cells treated with this peptide behave like they were 10 years younger. So wow. great ingredient to incorporate in your 30s and 40s. It's brilliant. Cool. It's around this time that we might begin to see some of those fine lines. What ingredients would you suggest that we introduce to specifically target those? There is another peptide, and I'm going to nerd out again, acetyl-octopeptide 3, and that um, is commonly also referred to um, as SNAP8, and it behaves a little bit like the muscle relaxants. It actually um, uh, reduces the signal between the nerve and the muscle, so you get a softening of the lines around the eyes, the crow's feet, the facial muscles, the lips. It's those lines of movement, so that's a great peptide to introduce. I also think we should add... Um, ingredients that hydrate from within and stimulate the body to make its own hyaluronic acid. There's some great marine biopeptides, one called saccharide isomerate. We can't um, get hyaluronic acid into the part of the skin that makes it. Um, it's a bit of a myth. People love hyaluronic acid. I love it, but it's a surface hydrator. It just plumps mm. the surface cells. It doesn't get deep, but I still think hyaluronic acid is a great ingredient. Um, and there's numerous peptides around that actually stimulate collagen. So I think let's look at collagen stimulation, let's look at hyaluronic acid stimulation and let's look at pigmentation in our 30s and 40s. 
As we enter this next stage of skin, should we be amping up the concentration of the ingredients that we're already using? Yes and no. Um, the reason I say no is people think that stronger for any ingredient is better. Yeah. And they do not. think that, don't they? It, yeah, they do. And they just, and sometimes it can be aggressive. Mm. I mean, you don't want to be using, for, for argument's sake, 30% glycolic acid twice a week because you think it's going to slough off the dead skin. Yes, it will, but you'll end up with candle wax skin by the time yeah. you're 50. So it's, it's very important to look at a few factors. Okay, the first factor is sensitivity to increasing the dosage. Like I just said, don't go crazy on acids if you're sensitive to acids or don't go crazy on vitamin A because there's certain forms of vitamin A that our skin just can't tolerate or we need to introduce it gradually. The other thing is, and as a, as a formulator, I always look at the clinical data. So when I'm doing my due diligence on a particular ingredient, whether um, it's a peptide or tranexamic acid or any of the active ingredients, I will look at the effect on the skin in vivo on human studies at a particular dosage. Now, say for example, 3% tranexamic acid reduces pigmentation by 30% in 20 individuals over three months. That's the data. I'm not going to put it in at half a percent, am I? Because that's mm. not going to work as well. Conversely, it would be a risk to go over the recommended dosage and, and it, may, it may have no effect at all. It might be a total waste or it may cause sensitivity. So look at the clinical data and the evidence as a formulator with the recommended dosage. The other thing is we need to look at how active this particular ingredient is. What derivative am I using? There's, there's about 15 forms of vitamin C at the moment. Some of them are total rubbish. Some of them are amazing. L-ascorbic acid is, to my, in my opinion, the, the gold standard in vitamin mm. C, but not everybody can tolerate pure L-ascorbic. So look at that. Look at how it delivers to the skin cells. Some forms are, are, are great and stable. Some forms, magnesium ascorbyl phosphate is really stable form of vitamin C, but you don't get that wonderful delivery to the skin cells. So you've got to look at how effective it is. And then you've also got to look at the stability in the bottle. So um, you, you might find that increasing a dosage might cause other ingredients to be unstable in the bottle. So there are so many factors. So we've got to realise that not all actives also are created equal. I will always do um, a lot of research on the supplier that we buy from because there's a lot of suppliers out there who may not be producing the quality that is required to get the desired result. Um, and then the other thing you look at with the dosage is the type of formula. You, you may be able to have a high dosage of an ingredient in a serum, say, for example, versus a moisturiser, because that ingredient might not like the oils or the emulsifiers. Mm. So it's, it's not an exact science. This is why formulating chemistry is so complicated. You can't just chuck everything in, increase the dose and mix it up and say, here you go and good luck. It's not how that works. There's so many factors to consider. So what sorts of changes in the skin can we expect to see in our 40s and in our 50s? And that'd be me. <laughs> so, um, I'm well into my 50s now. I'm, you don't look it. So oh, everything you're saying to me is working. 
I think I've got a good filter on my Zoom lens. But anyway, um, no, I look, I do. I practice what I preach, Gemma. Um, I definitely don't smoke. And I mm. also think that lifestyle is important. And I know that, you know, we're digressing from skincare a little bit here. But I'd love to say that as a formulator, I have the answers to anti-aging. But I don't. It's just, it's. Well, I, I'm good at formulating. But there are other things that we need to do as well. We need to stay out of the sun. We need to eat well. We need to minimise alcohol con- um, consumption, um, which is hard sometimes, especially at this time. Yep. <laughs> yep, I'm there with you. And the other thing is stay away from sugar. I am such an anti-sugar person um, because it causes so many things, glycation, inflammation. So I, abs- I virtually have zero sugar in my in my diet. Um, I have carbs, but I don't have any refined sugars. Uh, but in my 40s, in, in our 40s and 50s, we've got a big thing called menopause, which is basically a shutdown of our natural hormone levels. And this can last anywhere between a few months, if you're really lucky, to many, many years. And, you know, I'm still having hot moments. Um, I still suffer with it occasionally um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, my emotions and everything. So it's not just a switch it on and switch it off thing, but your skin changes as well. Now, you've no longer got your, your normal levels of estrogen, particularly estrogen, and also progesterone and testosterone. So one of the great things is you probably won't have zits anymore. Um, but on a downside, um, your body's not great at producing collagen. And so you will start to definitely see increase in fine lines and wrinkles. You'll also, unfortunately, get an elastin decline. And elastin is really hard to break down, but hard to, harder still to make. But unfortunately, with menopause, you start to see that lovely spring back of your face and your neck and your, your cheeks to reduce. Um, one of the things that a lot of women don't realise, and they think, oh, I'm sagging because of my skin, it's actually not necessarily that. It's bone loss. And we know that, our, yeah, our bone density reduces, our bone volume reduces, and our skull shrinks. So our head and our cheekbones and our jaw, we're, we're shrinking. And so it's like a balloon and, and everything on the outside still was the same size. So it starts to sag. So often it's not just the elasticity that, you, that you're dealing with. It's the bone loss. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And skincare can't fix that. Um, so we need, to, we need to really make sure we maintain our bone density as we reach menopause. How had I never thought about this? Because I know, of course, we, you know, shrink over time but it had never occurred to me that that was having an effect on the the appearance of the skin as well yeah you look at somebody who in their with you know very very tight firm skin and good bone structure in their 20s and 30s and you see them in their 60s and 70s they can still be very beautiful but you'll start see that you can see the loss of volume in their Mm. face and it's not the sagging of the skin it's their bone loss which is really interesting Oh my goodness! Yeah, there's also filler, um, but obviously, again, that's not skincare. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there are ways to 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 address it. Um, now, look, even though you've got less testosterone during that perimenopause phase, you can still have menopausal acne because there's that fluctuation occurring too. So you might need to look at that. Um, you'll show your if you ever had uh, rosacea, it will increase at menopause because your Uh, blood vessels are not as healthy as they used to be. So we'll see more redness. You'll see more sensitivity 
Um, those beautiful melanocytes that should evenly produce melanin are not as healthy as they used to be. So they'll start to produce melanin spasmodically. So you'll start to get uneven skin tone. Our skin's not as good as defending itself at, against sun damage. So you'll get more sun damage. And often the stuff that we did in our teens and early 20s will come to bite us in our 50s. Um, and I've even noticed that I did some crazy things as a teenager on the beach um, in terms of sun baking on, on foil and putting baby oil on my skin. And I'm starting to realise that some of that stuff has come back to haunt me in my 50s. So um, I'm just so happy that there are the, the teenagers of today are so much more aware and the young people. Mm. It's so good. What would you recommend as a solid foundation sort of skin routine during this stage into our 50s? Is we sticking with our A to Z? Yeah, we're sticking with our A to Z. Um, there's another ingredient that I, another product that I also love is a microbiome balancer mm -hmm. and it's, um, we've got one called Dermiotic, but there's a few out there. Don't go with the ones with the live bacteria in them because if there's a preservative in there, obviously preservatives are desi designed to kill bacteria, so it'll be ineffective. But uh, so be careful of the type of, of, um, of microbiome balancer you have. But our um, natural bacteria are really in a state of flux in menopause. So um, I would say even from your 20s, you need to look at your microbiome. But I include that in my routine every day. So we're basically talking about my routine. <laughs> so because uh, that's me in my 50s, I would say I'd start every morning with um, a microbiome balancer. Then I use a specific targeted um, anti-aging serum with those amazing peptides we were talking about that target DNA, target collagen um, and target the um, softening of the fine lines. I also use vitamin C in the form of pure L-ascorbic powder and I just mix that with about four drops of water and I spread that all over my face and my neck decolletage and right down to, to my chest area because I've noticed it's having a great impact on sun damage. And after that, I do an eye serum because I think um, that's what we start to notice we age around the eyes and I use a really good quality eye serum for puffiness, dark circles and wrinkles. Um, and then I use a targeted moisturiser. For me, um, it's fine lines and wrinkles. Um, for others, it might be um, sensitivity. And then I finish that with a really good quality mineral makeup, um, my Synergy Mineral Whip, and that is my sun protection. And then at night, Virtually the same thing, but instead of the, the um, anti-aging serum and the vitamin C, I use vitamin A and B at night because A and B should be separated from vitamin C. Anything acidic um, will neutralise niacinamide and um, retinol too. So um, we keep those separate and I just use my same anti-aging moisturiser. So I think um, definitely you should be including a pre and probiotic. If you do have pigmentation issues, um, obviously introduce your tranexamic acid. Um, I would also look at exfoliation once or twice a week with your lactic, mandelic and malic acids. Um, you can actually make a great home mini peel by mixing L-ascorbic acid crystals and a, a serum with lactic and mandelic acid mm. and just putting that on at night and going to bed. And that's a great wow. little mini peel. Uh, so there's lots of little tips and tricks. The other thing I would recommend is... Um, is using something that gets the serums in to a deeper level, um, particularly 40s and onwards, and that's your home rollers. 
mm-hmm. um, those home infusion rollers, they don't actually get to the dermis, but they do open up the dermal channels to get those serums in. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. And there's also um, ingredients, um, there's also devices out there that um, use plasma to infuse active ingredients, plasma ions. So, um, yeah, there's some great things out there. We have touched on this, but I think it's worth spending some time on because it is a major change. Mm. Loss of elasticity. Can topical skincare help with this at all? It's really difficult to do that. And um, people talk about collagen and elastin like they're the same thing often, and then they're so different. If you think of a mattress, the elastin is the springs and the collagen is the stuffing. So they're Uh very, very different proteins. Yeah, so that's how I always think of it. And collagen is really, really, really easy to make but it's also really, really easy to break down in the skin. So there's lots of collagen stimulating ingredients on the market. On the other hand, elastin is hard to break down. Once you've got it, you usually got a lot of elastin well into you, even your 40s. But as you age, it does start to break down, but the body finds it really, really hard to re-manufacture within the skin. And there is an ingredient uh, called acetyl tetrapeptide 2 that has been shown to help with the elastin uh, production in the skin, which is fantastic. But one of the biggest things that we can, uh, we can do to avoid loss of elasticity or solar elastosis is to stay out of the sun. Solar radiation is the number one enemy of elastin. So if we make sure that we not only keep our face out of the sun, but our neck, because our neck has a lot of elastin in it and it's one of the first places in our body to show our age and our hands. So protect those areas from loss of elastin, definitely. A less talked about change that does come with mature skin, and you did mention it at the start, dryness. Why is that? Why does the skin look and feel drier with age? There's the most important thing we need to think about as we age, or two things really, is barrier breakdown. So our barrier is designed to keep the bad stuff out, to keep the bacteria balanced on the surface and keep the moisture in and to reduce what we call transepidermal water loss or chill. Now, when we're young, we've got two things in our skin that we make ourselves in abundance and they are called ceramides and hyaluronic acid, okay? Now, ceramides are in our epidermis, our outer layers, and they're little lipids, and they're like the raincoat of the skin. They they keep this lovely barrier. They stop the water escaping. As we age, our ceramide uh, production reduces, and one of the best ingredients for increasing ceramide production is niacinamide. And I don't know if you've noticed with pregnant women, they had that lovely glow in the first trimester of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that is a naturally occurring um, situation in the skin with pregnant women is there an, an increase in ceramide production. So they get this lovely glow because they're holding their moisture in and they're glowing and they look wonderful. As we age, we lose that. So B3 is incredible for that. We also get in our 30s and 40s and particularly at menopause, a drastic reduction in our own ability to make hyaluronic acid. And the same cells that make collagen and elastin also make hyaluronic acid. So to make that stuff, we need to get really, really deep down into the dermis and it's very, very hard to do that. Um, so this ingredient, saccharide isomerate, which is a marine, um, a marine derived ingredient, is able to stimulate that. But we can also put hyaluronic acid on the surface of our skin to make it look nice 
nice and plumped. Uh, so, and also maintaining a healthy microbiome. We need those good bacteria to be really healthy. We need the prebiotics to feed those good bacteria like inulin in skincare. And we need the probiotics to, to maintain that lovely balance. We still need some bad bacteria and that stimulates our immune system, but we need the balance. Lots of good guys and not too many bad guys. And once our barrier is healthy and functioning, even in our 50s, our skin can look really luminous and healthy. And that's often just about the hydration of it. So what sorts of products should those who are 60 plus be using? What does a good routine look like? I think once we're, once we're into menopause and beyond, it's very similar that the types mm-hmm. of products we'll use, but we really notice as we age, the dryness is significant. Um, I know my partner's mother is just about to celebrate her 90th birthday mm-hmm. and um, she's a pocket rocket, this woman, an amazing woman. And she's, um, but she's, she's been out in the sun over time and when I've been having, we've been working together with her skin routine and one of the things that I've noticed has really changed her skin is using really high quality, quality emollient or active oils. Um, so I think we really need to increase the ability to hold the moisture into the skin as we age. Ingr- oils like, for example, I love meadow foam oil. It's one of my favourites at the moment. Uh, squalane from olives and also marula oil. I'm, I'm trying to get away from the cheap filler oils at the moment in my formulations like your safflower and your sunflower and your sweet almond. Apart from the fact they're... Um, they're not, they don't do a lot for the skin. They're not mm. active oils. They also have a really short shelf life and they can go rancid and oxidise. So I'm into the long shelf life, stable, um, active oils now. And I think so as we age, really look at your beautiful emollient oils, but also sun protect. Um, as we age, if you're going outside even for 10 minutes um, in, the, in the midday sun, wear a hat we still need a bit of sun we don't want to get vitamin d deficiency but really you know especially in those northern areas of australia you absolutely need your sun protection in the middle of the day Uh, i think as we age we need to look at obviously our ingredients to stimulate collagen and elastin and always our antioxidants um, and look at supporting our dna with um with the ingredients that that promote um, the longevity of the skin cells that was Terry Vincent, author of Skin Formation and founder of Synergy Skin, which you can find on Instagram at Synergy Skin or online at SynergySkin.com. To read this interview, you can visit GlowJournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at JemKWatts or at Glow.Journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.